get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's this episode's host from up the coast, the man who puts the X in Xbox and the tie on antisocial, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saner. Insaner. Salute town. Estes me, Tyson Saner, your host for this episode of Suckatash, a soundcast that invented the word soundcast, which is still what most people refer to podcasts as. Which is also what this is, as anybody who has listened to this program over its last 11 years already knows. Last week, in Epi 316, show creator and executive producer Mark Hershon brought you an interview with Blaine Kapatch, who, in addition to being a stand-up comedian, is also a writer, sketch performer, a husband, a father, a son and a man who plays a druid character on the soundcast Nerd Poker, which has been featured on Suckatash quite a few times over the years. It's a pretty fun episode, and I recommend that you check it out at your earliest convenience. You can find that episode, and every episode of Suckatash in the show archives, over at www.suckatashshow.com. This week, I've got three clips for you, from the soundcast known as The Greatest Song Ever Sung, Poorly, Mom Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast, and The Co-Founder. I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge a nice group of people that I spent time with over the recent weekend. I attended my 30th year high school reunion and reconnected with some people I haven't seen in 20 years, and some people that I haven't seen since we all graduated back in 1992, which somehow both does and does not seem like a long time ago. I haven't figured that one out yet. Anyway, it was very nice to see everybody again, and for that, I am grateful. I'm pretty sure I've got an advertisement from our 100% fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants, for you later in the show, but for now, I think it's time I gave you what you're here for, so let's get to the clips. First up, The Greatest Song Ever Sung, Poorly, from The Greatest Song Ever Sung, Poorly. Poorly is in parentheses. Its description says the podcast that takes karaoke exactly as seriously as it should be taken. Hmm. And it further goes on to say, every episode, hosts Adam Wainwright and Ed Kennard discuss an aspect of karaoke or music and play a short round of trivia on that topic, where one of them challenges the other with five questions related to the topic, along with an impossible bonus question. Then, they're joined by someone, karaoke hosts and singers, musicians, actors, comedians, and authors, with a connection to that topic and feature that guest singing karaoke when possible. This is an episode from July 27th of 2022, fairly recently called Who Knows What Evil Lurks in the Heart of Karaoke Singers, colon, The Villains of Karaoke, with Tiana Hennings, from the podcast Next Door Villain. The episode description says, It's not all sunshine and rainbows at the greatest song ever sung poorly. This episode, just like it isn't all raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, at your average karaoke night. No, sometimes villainy creeps in and puts a slight stain on an otherwise awesome night of songs and drinks and friends and strangers. Adam and Ed dive into the villains of a karaoke night, i.e. the mic droppers, the stage hoppers, the fake namers, the line hoppers, the sneaky drinkies, and the showstoppers. Who are they, you ask? The names are pretty explanatory, but listen to find out the full details. After talking about the villains of karaoke, Adam and Ed talk to someone who knows a bit about villainy. 
Tiana Hennings of the Next Door Villain Podcast. She has her own karaoke villain up her sleeve, but also some great stories about singing karaoke in China while studying abroad, what karaoke is like for the more casual karaoke fan, and how it's a great way to get out into a new place you're living and meet people. This clip features guest Tiana Hennings discussing some of the time she spent in China. For somebody who is a casual fan, you've surprisingly done karaoke all over. But the place I'm most curious about is you did karaoke in China while studying abroad. What was doing karaoke there like? Yeah, it was great. I probably did karaoke there more than any other place because it was so readily available. I did it in Chongqing, China, which is in southern China. And I was there studying Mandarin. And you go into a big building, maybe with several different businesses in it. And maybe you go to like the fifth floor or something. And that's like the karaoke floor. And you get to have your own personal room that you share with your friends and friends of friends. Maybe they have some of that in the United States. I'm not sure. But I know that in China, most of the time, you get your own private room with your friends to do karaoke with. You don't sing in front of people you don't know, like kind of in an open bar. And, you know, you walk into that room and it has a massive screen on the back that the music video will play with the lyrics on it. And you have your own machine to choose your songs. And everyone in the room usually sings at least once. They have mostly Chinese music, but they do have some English songs. So I would take advantage of that. I would sometimes sing Lady Gaga. But sometimes we would try to challenge ourselves to learn a song in Mandarin or a Chinese song, especially because that would help us learn the language. Like we were going to school for Chinese, so maybe we should practice that or at least kind of try. It was also a little bit harder because the lyrics are in traditional characters, but we were learning simplified Chinese characters because in the mainland, you usually use simplified characters, but the music videos and, and the karaoke music, it, it had traditional characters instead, which is mostly used in Taiwan. And so that had another layer of difficulty, not to mention like the pronunciation and trying to sing in a language that's not your own. My friend learned this song called Chi Chiu, uh, which is by Peggy Sue. And it's a really fast paced song with like lyrics that rhyme with each other. And that means balloon. She would say these words over and over, like different words very quickly throughout the song. And my friend learned it, which was a big challenge because it was so fast. She had to sing those lyrics so quickly. I tried to challenge myself with a song called Wei Ni Xie Shi, which means write a poem for you. I actually never got the courage to sing it at karaoke, but I still learned it. I can still sing some of it. And I think there was a lot of pressure, like when you're in front of people and it's like, you know, these traditional lyrics are on the screen and you're trying to sing in a different language and you hope you don't mess up. So usually I would stick to the English songs. I sang a lot of Lana Del Rey songs like in China, just kind of random, but I did. And usually everyone in the room, friends and friends of friends, maybe there's like 15 to 20 people in a room and you can order drinks for your room. You can order snacks for your room. Usually everyone would sing. You'll have to tell me about your experience. But when I'm in the United States, I feel like there's a lot of people who like 
aren't good at singing or quote unquote aren't good who really, really don't want to sing at karaoke but are there for the show. And if you try to get them to sing, they're like, no, 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 no. And that happens a lot in the States. But when I was in China, of course, like I only have a sample size of like 50 or something. But when I was in China, like everyone would sing. It did not matter what they sounded like. They would just be like, I'm going to sing. And it didn't matter like what they sounded like, what what they felt. It just they just sang. They didn't care, you know, like if they felt that they weren't as good as the next person you know everyone was just having a good time and um so I really appreciated that in China a lot of my American friends and Chinese friends you know would kind of have that vibe like I'm just gonna sing so I think it might be tied a little bit to the just the culture uh in in that area I I spent about three years in Japan so I got to be familiar with Japan's karaoke scene and a lot of what you're saying rings true as far as like yeah and the thing that tripped me out about Japan was like you go to any bar and they had karaoke. They just hand you. A oh, little, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a little. T- you pay them two dollars. <laughs> yeah. They hand you a tablet. They hand you a microphone. So it's so ingrained in the culture that it, it was never seemed like anybody pushed back against it in any of the places that we were. And everybody would be into it and participate over the course of the night. It's a very interesting thing. But yeah, I think you have a very fair point where there's a lot of people in America that are just going to say, no, 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 I don't want that. And I just mm-hmm. don't think it's like that in some parts of the world. So you can reach out to the show on Twitter at Sung Poorly. That is capital S-U-N-G, capital P-O-O-R-L-Y. The guest, Tiana Hennings, can be reached at Driven In Today, which is all lowercase D-R-I-V-I-N-I-N-T-O-D-A-Y. Adam Wainwright can be reached on Twitter at all lowercase Adam N-C-C-C, which is A-D-A-M-N-C-C-C. Ed Kennard can be reached at Ed underscore Kennard, capital E-D underscore, capital C-U-N-A-R-D. And you can reach the show at their main website at www.sungpoorly.com. That's S-U-N-G-P-O-O-R-L-Y dot com. Next up, Mom Can't Cook! exclamation point, a DCOM podcast from Luke Westaway and Andy Ferrant. Yes, some of my favorite people have their own podcasts. Let me uh, read the description, which says, Join Luke Westaway and Andy Ferrant as they talk about cinema's greatest achievement, Disney Channel Original Movies. That's what DCOM stands for. From extreme rollerblading to mermen to homicidal smart homes, there's something for everyone in these brilliant, baffling films. Also, usually the mom character in the film is unable to cook, and this is considered richly comic. Hence the name. I've chosen a clip from their first episode, which posts it on the 18th of July, 2022. It's an episode called Smart House, named for the film in which they discuss. The episode description says, Join your hosts, Luke Westaway and Andy Ferrant, for their brand new podcast, Mom Can't Cook! Exclamation point, in which they attempt to salvage something, anything, from the fact that they've watched every single Disney Channel original movie from the late 1990s and early 2000s. This week's movie is Smart House, in which a young boy wins an intelligent house of the future, which starts off by stealing some of his blood, then then things go downhill from there. The clip features a discussion of the capabilities of the smart house. Now, Andy, I know before we go any further, you wanted to talk about the physical yeah. assault of the paperboy in the first scene. One thing I did note is that this film opens with a paperboy getting assaulted. And that is, again, another theme of DCOMs that I hadn't really considered. 
but a lot yeah. of them open with paper boys getting assaulted. By... <laughs> okay, now that you've said that, I can call to mind a few. We should say yeah. uh, the 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 manner of the attack is that the smart hat. Well, I mean, how would you? The smart house extends a tentacle. The smart house has Doctor Octopus tentacles that it can extend to like grab people and touch them. <laughs> and they look, they look, boys. they look way. T- they look exactly like Doctor Octopus tentacles. They look way too menacing to be like a, a sort of friendly smart house thing. They've got like spiked ends. <laughs> Take it up with Sarah. Yeah, well, the genius yeah, inventor. True. She designed okay. this. But yeah, we could have called this podcast "Paperboy Gets Assaulted." We we well, <laughs> but 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 you you can see why we didn't. <laughs> yeah, because you didn't think of it in time. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it could be. All right. Well, <laughs> if you're still here. <laughs> Then let's talk about Smart House. I'd like to start off by talking about the capabilities of the Smart House, because it seems... Great, yes. Okay. They seem to just sort of add things that it can do <laughs> randomly. But, okay, so that's the sort of the main thing. Tell me the some Smart of House. its features, yeah. Okay, well, it's... The entire thing is run by PAT, which stands for Personal Applied Technology. Yeah. Which is the AI that runs the house. So it can do things that you would understand a Smart House, in the modern sense, can do. It can do climate control. Yeah. Uh, it Set can, reminders and timers yeah. and alarms. Alarms, it turns on the lights, things like that. But yeah. also, I mean, it seems to... A lot of it is based around projections. <laughs> like, it'll just project a bewitched music video onto the wall. I think you mean kick-butt video screens, Andy. Sorry, kick-butt video screens is how they're described. Uh, hey, Pat, how about activating some kick-butt video screens? Sure, Dan. Yeah, you, yeah. Can eat, um, you can eat your dinner on a cliff in Cape Cod. Cause it's yes. project- you can play somehow play mini-golf. I wasn't entirely sure how that was working. Yeah, because the golf ball was sometimes in the projection, but then also fired into the room. And yeah, sometimes it would just like ping off the walls. I wasn't yeah. really. Wasn't you really you clear. can get it. You can watch a projection of an elephant charging you that is so realistic that it is terrifying to Angie, the, yeah. the little sister. Like that video of um, people watching that train movie in the late eighteen hundreds, and they all dived I... out of the way. Okay, so you got the projections. Yeah, yeah. It also uh, is quite heavily food preparation based you can ask it to make you anything and it will and it will rise out of a sort of plinth in the in the kitchen countertop we do and we do get some insight into the inner workings of the smart house because at one point there's a malfunction and that riser comes out of the 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 breakfast table thing Mm. uh, and it's revealed that the smart house is mostly stuffed with ten thousand oranges (laughs) Yeah, that scene where uh, it starts to malfunction. It's just like starts firing oranges around the room, which again, Thousands I don't... of oranges. I don't know why that is a thing that it can do. Well, well, to be fair, that's a malfunction. It's not supposed to be doing that. But what we do know is that the smart house has within it a store of thousands and thousands of oranges and presumably thousands of other ingredients. Because those are, those are fresh oranges. Yes. How is it being supplied with fresh fruit? Where this food is stored, yeah. either. There's no, like, storeroom within the house. The walls of the smart house must just be a series, a, a bustling series of funnels moving around produce. Mm. It must have deals with local suppliers. <laughs> Pat, must, Pat must... Well, 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 well. Take the example of the paperboy. Pat has a working relationship with a local supplier of the newspaper. Presumably, Pat also talks to the butcher. Uh, You know, Pat can phone the butcher. Pat can phone uh, the deli. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we just they didn't show the deliveries arriving. Yeah. 
you don't you it's just assumed lavar burton didn't want to bog down the film by showing a grocery delivery boy loading (laughs) oranges into a coal chute (laughs) (laughs) but but it must be happening one of the more chilling elements of uh of pat's capabilities is where they first move into the house and um it just jabs the uh the small girl with a needle (laughs) and takes (gasps) a blood and tissue sample from her and then without it's able her to, consent. Without her consent. And it's able to build up a sort of health profile of the child. And then uh, Ben, the scientist lady, asks him to say something. He does. And Pat breathalyzes him and sort of builds a ideal diet from him based on his exhalations, which is... Yes. Uh, that's, a, yes. that's pretty wild. That's a pretty um, wild thing. So Angie's medical records have been accessed by Pat. Yeah. And, and then, moments later, Sarah assures Nick, the father, that there, that no privacy is being invaded. <laughs> by Despite Pat, Pat stealing your medical records <laughs> the very from your, first stealing your blood. The does is take your blood <laughs> and access your medical re- records. Yeah. Another one I want to talk about is, why does Pat have the ability to deliver electric shocks through every door and surface. Ow! Pull up your shorts, Ben. They look fine. Ow! Cut it out, Pat! Pull up your shorts, Ben! Ow! So there is an official Mom Can't Cook store, which you can reach for some sweet merch, as it says, and that is at momcantcookstore.com M-O-M-C-A-N-T-C-O-O-K-S-T-O-R-E dot com. The show does not appear to have a dedicated Twitter account at this time, but you can reach host Luke Westaway at all lowercase L-U-K-E-W-E-S-T-A-W-A-Y and host Andy Ferrant can be reached at at Ferentula, capital F-A-R-R-A-N-T-U-L-A. Now, the website link that is included on iTunes, when you click the little bit where it says website, directs you to a site on Libsyn. It's not a .com of its of the show name or anything, but it is pretty easy to find. We can provide the link. It is sites.libsyn.com. That is S-I-T-E-S dot Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com, C-O-M, and then forward slash the numerals 426404. But again, you could Google Mom Can't Cook podcast or a decom podcast but chances are you will find it luke westaway and andy ferrant are video game journalists and humorists i guess you could say they andy ferrant is part of the group over at outside xbox the youtube channel and luke westaway is one half of outside extra which is the sister channel to outside xbox so i was very happy to find that they had their own podcast and it is quite funny i'm midway through their second episode no actually did i finish their second episode i've already finished their second episode Hmm. Anyway, good times. Friends, are you tired of people not taking notice of you or the way you dress, no matter how much hard-earned cash you spend? Or maybe it's time for a change. A change of pants, that is. Now you can dress to depress with a pair of Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons. When you want your trousers to make a statement, but not enough of one to get much notice, except secretly you really do want people to notice, of course, well, you're ready for our passive-aggressive pantaloons. Designed with your hang-ups in mind, these pants are designed to take every backhanded compliment and veiled threat with a 50-50 twirl blend of mixed resentment and secret relief. 
And Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons are perfect for those dressy occasions where you wish you'd worn something more formal, yet you're keenly aware of how jealous everyone else is because of how cool and comfortable you look. Passive-aggressive pantaloons are just part of Henderson's new mental instability line. Joining our narcissism slacks, obsessive-compulsive denims, sleep disorder seersuckers, and delusions of grandeur gabardines. Originally designed for headcases like Emperor Norton, Charlie Manson, and the White House Chiefs of Staff, Henderson's passive-aggressive pantaloons are available wherever the walls are padded and the doors only open from the outside. That's Henderson's, making pants like crazy since 1100 and squinge, and now back to Succotash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Finally tonight, the co-founder from Realm, which I understand is also called Realm Media. The show description says, Starring Sunita Mani and Alexandra Ship, two young startup founders, both women of color, are on the brink of losing their company, a fate they narrowly avoid thanks to a harebrained scheme to have their neighborhood barista, a white dude, of course, pretend to be the third founder in order to raise money. But when the barista reveals he has a scheme of his own to keep the company in his clutches, hijinks and hilarity ensue. Valerie and Juliet are more than just best friends. They are business partners in the cutthroat world of Silicon Valley, where their video game startup is on the verge of failure. They are exhausted between running out of capital and being treated like dirt during their fundraising meetings with big deal finance bros. They need a win, or it's game over. They need a white guy. It was only supposed to be one meeting. One meeting where neighborhood barista and random white dude Toby Johnson, by the way, all those words are caps, random white dude Toby Johnson, pretended to be a co-founder to clinch the investment cash. But one million dollars later, Toby shows no signs of going with grace. Instead, he plots to entrench himself further into their company, which he had no part in founding. And unless Valerie and Juliet want the truth to come out, and to kiss their company goodbye, they have to play along. But Valerie and Juliet have been playing together since they were young. That's why they started a video game company, and to save it, they're willing to break all the rules. Now I'm going to read the next part here, which has the full credits, because it is actually kind of hard to find any additional information about um, about some of the people involved with this. So I'll just say here, uh, the co-founder is a Realm production. It's starring Sunita Mani and Alexandra Ship, and it's written by Alexis Wilkinson, Alexa... I'm going to say Waco, it is W-A-J-K-O, and Mimi Mondal, or Mondal, M-O-N-D-A-L, and then it says Listen Away. Thank you very much. So the clip uh, is from the first episode, which was posted way back on Steely Dan Day of 2022, which of course is May 19, and its first episode is called Build Mode, in which best friends and business partners Valerie and Juliet have been struggling to secure funding for their game start gaming startup Wiley, but Valerie has an idea that could change everything. And the clip is from the opening scene where Valerie and Juliet pitch Wiley. Juliet, what are you doing? Nothing. You're not doing nothing. You're staring at your phone. What are you doing? Just fixing something real quick. On Wiley? Wait, right now? In case we have to do a demo. I just feel like I just okay, we tested it this morning. It's perfect. Not perfect. There's this thing with the avatars, and I just have to join it. We're about to walk into a meeting. I know. I'm here. Okay, we need to be on our A-game. If we don't get this funding, it's... I know. Here. See? Oh. Oh, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Miss Agarwal? Miss Coleman? Mr. Clyde will see you now. Here we go. 
This wasn't their style, the 11th hour freakout leading into a pitch. But after literally 62 meetings and not one investor smart enough to bite, <laughs> these two started to act not like themselves. You gotta understand the desperation, the sheer disrespect of it all. Silicon Valley is full of dudes who had everything handed to them, like hotshot tech investor and supreme dick Jonas Clyde. This dude's dad invented the dimmer switch, and now he can just play gatekeeper all day with his resources and cash. But Valerie and Juliet desperately needed that money to fund their gaming app, Wiley. And old Jonas was their last chance. The gaming industry is primed for disruption. Everyone is a gamer now. Uh, okay, I, I, I can't hear you. Would, would, would you mind closing the window? Oh, yes, of course. Don't worry, I'll get it. Uh, okay, great. Thank you. Juliet. Uh, yes, uh, Juliet. Uh, and uh, Valerie, let, let's take it from the top where, when, when you're ready. So, something about uh, disruption, right? Go. The industry is primed for disruption. Everyone is a gamer. Grandmas play virtual tennis every Sunday. People gamify everything, from makeup to saving money to exercise. <clears throat> Jules? Um, using the preloadable game skeletons, users can upload, edit, and monetize their own games. They can link them to a social platform to share them with the world. Revolutionary software. I mean... Juliet's revolutionary proprietary software. Thank you. My software means that the creative options are limitless. The next generation of game creators are going to make the most immersive and personal material using Wiley. Blogs made everyone an author. YouTube made everyone a filmmaker. Wiley will make everyone a video game designer. It's the future of gaming. Wiley is the next great fang company. Okay, look, ladies, ladies, listen to me. Look, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google, they don't give people creative control of their products. Why? Because people only think they want creative freedom when what they actually want are guidelines and structure. People, come on, you know people. People are lazy. Look, Mr. Clyde, Jonas... Wiley needs a real capital investment to get off the ground. And once that happens, creating a video game will be as easy as sending a text. Look, you know what? You two should apply to Clyde Venture and Capital's hashtag girls run the tech world incubator program. Hmm? I'll, I'll have my assistant send you the application. We don't need an incubator, Mr. Clyde. Juliet and I are ready to launch. We could be producing returns within months. <laughs> Do you actually play video games yourself, Miss Coleman? Um, we both play frequently, although I'm nowhere near as popular as Juliet. We have also gathered a significant amount of user data from other players. Uh -huh. So if you look at the sixth page of our deck, yep, you can see that most players ranked customization as one of the top factors influencing gameplay. I mean, Wiley would redefine customization. I, I worry about the amount of code you will need to write to make this at all feasible. I mean, taking one programming course online isn't going to cut it. Juliet's thesis at the University of Chicago focused heavily on this sort of programming, character modeling, and template creation. Uh, on a much smaller scale, I'm sure. We already have a short list of software engineers eager to make this happen. We just have to be able to pay them. 
I'm sorry. Ms. Agarwal, Ms. Coleman, Clyde Capital doesn't have room in its roster right now. Oh, wait, wait. Hey, but, listen. Uh, I, I'm serious about the incubator program. Please consider it. And, <laughs> hey, you know what? On your way out, grab some snacks. Okay. All right. Thanks, ladies. My assistant will show you out. It is warm in here. So Realm Media can be found on Instagram at Realm Media underscore, that is capital R-E-A-L-M, capital M-E-D-I-A underscore, and on Twitter, spelled exactly the same way, without the underscore. Um, the show does not have a dedicated Twitter account, but you can get information on Realm Media. So Sunita Mani is not apparently on Twitter. Couldn't find her on there, but you can find her on Instagram at uh, Sunita Mani, all lowercase S-U-N-I-T. A-M-A-N-I. And Alexandra Ship can also be found on Instagram, but not Twitter, at Alexandra Ship, which is A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-A-S-H-I-P-P-P-P. That is four Ps. And if you want to find the show's main website, it is at realm.fm. So that's www.realm.fm forward slash shows, S-H-O-W-S, forward slash the hyphen co hyphen founder. That is T-H-E hyphen C-O hyphen F-O-U-N-D-E-R. And that brings us neatly to the end of the show that I put together for you, the listener. I do hope something in the program caught your attention and perhaps has carved out a niche in your time for another listen. I also hope you listen to us in the future should you continue to have niches in your schedule freely available to you that you would share with us. I spoke earlier in the program about spending a little more time with some people that life, in the fashion in which my particular existence seems to be unfolding, has separated me from, and they from me. It seems to be the way of things. I bring it up because this coming weekend, which will be the 20th and 21st of August, 2022, my brother is getting married. It's a pretty amazing time all around this year. Weddings have always given me a boost of optimism, and this one does especially because I'm so close to the people in question. That's pretty much how it works. The life experiences that are subjective to one's own particular perspective. I don't know anything about you, but when you have hope, I am happy for you. It might seem hard to find hope, but it is there to be had if you are open to it. That all being said, I hope that you feel compelled to tell others of our existence. You'd be doing us a really big favor. It's what we were referring to when we ask you to please... That's the Suckatash. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Suckatash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at tyson at suckatashshow.com or call into the Suckatash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash. 
Sargatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Sargatash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Sargatash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.